Welcome to 239 Uncensored. Everything Southwest Florida and beyond with your host, Tim Jurett. This podcast covers it all. Real talk on issues from real estate to real crime. Join the discussion on hot topics to politics. Don't get left behind. Be in the know about everything Southwest Florida and beyond. Welcome, welcome to 239 Uncensored Everything Southwest Florida and Beyond. And we have a great podcast. We have Rick Locastro. He's going to be running for Collier County Commissioner in District 1. And it's going to be taking over the seat uh, left by Commissioner Donna Fiella, which I think the world of. And she's such a nice lady, and it's great. But, uh, Rick, uh, are you on? The, on, the, on the, we got you on the phone. Are you there? I am on. Hey, Tim, how you doing? Thanks for having me tonight. Colonel, it's a pleasure. You know, it's a pleasure. And, and kind of interesting that people nowadays would run for public office. It's just amazing. And, and for you to do that, it's, it's, I'm amazed and I'm, I'm proud that you're on here and I'm proud that you're willing to, you know, go forth and do this. Tell us a little bit Please. about that. Please talk me out of this. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know, um, I'm really glad that you talked about Commissioner Fiala. You know, people tell me all the time that, you know, she's served for 20 years. Um, I have big shoes to fill. But you know what? No one other than her would tell me she's looking for somebody to fill them. And it was citizens that came to me back in August of 2019 that said Commissioner Fiala is retiring. A few candidates have jumped in the race. But you know what? Collier County has changed a lot in the last 20 years. Um, this is the fastest growing county in the state of Florida. We have a $2 billion, that's with a B, $2 billion budget. And, you know, these positions now are, are really serious um, positions of, of significant responsibility. We have five county commissioners. And, you know, they're basically the five CEOs of Collier County that help decide how we budget, manage, and spend a $2 billion budget, how we protect preserve and improve the county. And, you know, that's not something that you want somebody to do that doesn't have a deep resume. And I'm really proud of the background that I had in the military um, with 24 years of service, um, working, you know, all over the world, worked for two U.S. presidents, uh, commanded several bases. I'm an Air Force Academy graduate, a retired Air Force full colonel. And, you know, one of the things I say about local public services, people will always say it's about giving back but what I say is you have to have something to give back. You have to have some depth. You know, uh, a lot of people like to be maybe, uh, you know, professional local politicians and make their career doing that. But realistically, you know, I want my local public servants to be people that have depth, experience, qualifications, especially now more than ever. And, you know, I feel blessed to bring the resume that I have to the table I certainly don't know everything. I have a lot to learn. But, you know, Ronald Reagan used to say, if not you, who? And a lot of citizens gathered around me last August, felt like I would be a very um, uh, experienced uh, commissioner candidate. And I thought about it for a long time. I did all the homework that you need to do. I, you know, formed my own little kitchen cabinet and thought about, you know, I'm not just going to put up a website and see if I get lucky. Um, like I told Commissioner Fiala, I don't file for county commissioner. I launch. And so on September 10th of 2019, we launched and I've been running full time 
uh, ever since. And I plan to be a full-time county commissioner as well once elected. Yeah, your your energy is overwhelming. It's 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 awesome. Um, I got a chance Tim, to listen to you. I'm Italian. Yeah. I'm Italian. This is normal. <laughs> this is normal. Actually, I'm a little spun down. You come over to my yeah, house for Sunday up. dinner, you're going to be exhausted. You're going to be exhausted. <laughs> I love it. And, you know, I kind of look around and I see these candidates running for, you know, the president, uh, all this stuff, and, and, you know, county commissioners and things like that. It just takes a lot. I mean, I don't think does, anybody yeah. really realizes it, but it takes a lot. But I, I got to hear you speak at a, a VFW event earlier in the year, and, you know, when you get up there, just you command, obviously, you know, a lot of respect just, just by your, your past resume. But I, I think you push past that, and it's just impressive. I mean, it's just really good um, that you're you're going to be, hopefully, at some point going to be representing Collier County in a great way. And, and it sounds like you're doing it for the right reasons, uh, Rick. It's, it's really neat. Well, one of the things a lot of people um, maybe don't realize, and I, I found this out by knocking on thousands of doors um, all over District 1 in preparation for the uh, initial primary back in August, is maybe you don't live in District 1. So some people would say, oh, you don't need to talk to me, Rick. I don't live in District 1. I can't vote for you. Well, you're right. You can't vote for me. But the day the election's over, all five county commissioners vote on every single thing across all of Collier County. So I would tell a lot of those people, yeah, you can't vote for me. But after the election, I'm going to vote on every single thing in your district. And some people would say to me, no, no, Penny Taylor, Bert Saunders, Andy Solis, you know, Bill McDaniel. Those are my county commissioners. I said, not after the election. All five of us represent all of Collier County. So one of the things I've done during my you know, election um, preparation time and education is do a deep dive, not only in my county, in my district, District 1, but across all of Collier County. I want to be as knowledgeable as possible so that when something comes up for a vote, something comes up for a decision, or something that I can influence it and make it better with the experience I bring to the table and the knowledge I have in the community, I want to be able to, um, to, you know, to, be able to, to do that. And so uh, I feel like I'm, I'm as ready as you can be um, to start on day one, I still have a, a race in front of me. I'm not taking anything for granted. When people say, oh, you'll, you'll win in a landslide, I always say, you know what? That's what they told Hillary Clinton. We sprint all the way through the finish line. That's what they teach you in the military. And that's what I've learned in, you know, um, civilian business. You know, you don't take anything for granted. If it's something that, you know, you uh, you want to do and you feel ready for, um, you know, you go at it 110 percent. And uh, I'm really proud of the campaign that we've run, the professional campaign we've run with integrity. We haven't thrown mud around. I've run on experience and qualifications. And what I've told the voters is, you know, do your homework. Take a look at my background. I do feel like I'm running for the right reasons and I'm not running to be a, a politician. I'm running to be a public servant. And that might sound cliche, but I think a lot of public servants, a lot of politicians have forgotten that when you are elected, you are the employee yes. and the citizens are your bosses. And I learned that from um, really great patriotic Italian parents. As I was growing up, I learned that from 24 years in the military I learned that from the presidents I serve, from General Colin Powell, from General Schwarzkopf, who I work directly for. And these are these are people that were incredible mentors to me. And as I thought about this position, I thought I've really been blessed with a uh, depth and a resume of experience um, and, and qualifications. And, you know, this is the, the um, opportunity in front of me. And this is my district as well. And if not me, like I said, you know who? I don't claim to have all the answers, but I'm here to serve the people of Collier County with common sense 
decisions and leadership that brings experience and qualifications to the seat. That's fantastic. Rick, you know, you make my job real easy because I just like give you a little word and boom, you take it because you have that experience. And, you know, I got to tell you, I was in the Air Force. I was a sergeant. To have a colonel come on base and, you know, you know. You I hated have, the colonel. Come on, Jim. You know, we had to shine <laughs> things up when you rode by. You know, it was like, all right, time to wash the vehicles, time to get ready to, you know, practice our salutes. And, you know, a lot of, re- <laughs> lot of respect for that. And then, you know, commander at the U.S. Air Force Academy. I mean, what's that like? I mean, well, how, how I was very transform? fortunate. I was the, the base commander at Eglin Air Force Base up in the panhandle of Florida. It's the largest military installation in the Department of Defense. It's 725 square miles. So you're Huge. talking about a lot of these military bases, they're the size of large cities. And so I really feel like it was great experience for me to learn how to um, uh, oversee contracting, development, environmental issues, roads and grounds, traffic, safety. I had hurricanes hit my base. We built thousands of houses on my base. We had red tide at Eglin. You know, all that stuff wasn't invented here. And so I feel like um, I'm not going to be hearing certain things for the, for the first time. And hopefully I'll be able to sit in the seat and ask um, the deep dive questions and the kind of things that an experienced county commissioner would ask as opposed to maybe sort of thinner questions. But then I was honored. Usually you get to be a base commander maybe one time. I was honored that I was called um, by a senior leader in the Air Force. And I was, uh, I'm an Air Force Academy grad. And I was uh, selected to be the first gra- Air Force Academy graduate to return to the Academy. And I returned 20 years later, almost to the day, wow. to be the base commander of the Air Force Academy. And, you know, that Air Force Academy, you know, one of the, one of the lines that I coined there was, there's lots of Air Force spaces, but there's only one Air Force Academy it's part Amen. Air Force Base and part part National Park. And if anybody's visited there, they might focus on the university, you know, the school, the academy. But that's only one small piece of a very large 25-square-mile base. There are actual Air Force missions that happen on that base that have little or nothing to do with the cadets. So it's a fully functional Air Force Base. And, you know, I took over at a time where it was in need of a lot of tender, loving care. Uh, and as a grad, to come back and be able to do that was uh, first of all, it was like oh, it was like going back in time. I mean, I felt like I got in a DeLorean. I showed up at the Air Force Academy and I looked around and all the cadets were eight years old and I was seventy. <laughs> and I was like, wait a minute, that you used know, to be you. That used to be you. <laughs> yeah, yesterday I, I think I was getting yelled at because I wasn't standing straight enough. And now I'm the base commander. So I got to tell you, I did have a little bit of fun with it. You yeah, know, when I went man. back there, I told my commanders, I said, look, I'm the first grad to come back here and command this base. There's a couple of things I want to do, okay? You know, <laughs> as a grad, you know, there's a couple of things that they frown um, on cadets doing it. I have the keys to the base. There's a couple of things I want to do. I want to enjoy so, this opportunity. You know, yeah, no, that's yeah, really cool. Neat. I can only imagine how awesome that would be. Now, let's go back a little bit. Now, you moved down. I, th- I think you lived down on Marco. Is that correct? Yes. So how I got to Naples in 2012 I came out on the one-star general list, and it was a great honor. I was stationed at the time at Offutt Air Force Base, which is the headquarters of um, Strategic Command, basically everything nuclear. It's where they brought the president after 9-11. It's a highly classified, very unique mission. I had a very unique job. I'll just leave it at that. Yeah. So I came out on the one-star general list, and I was very excited, Tim. You know, uh, no question about it. But one of the things I used to say when I was the base commander is I'd rather be the highest-ranking colonel on the base than the lowest ranking general at the Pentagon. And unfortunately, um, the jobs that that they had lined up for me as a one star 
great, great jobs, incredible responsibility, not downplaying at all. But, you know, people that know me personally know that I care less about rank and more responsibility. I'd rather be the base commander in charge of a whole base than a one-star general at the Pentagon pumping out PowerPoint slides. And even though the stuff on the slides is very important, I love um, leading and working with people, putting together teams. And so I took um, 10 days of vacation. I had people that were courting me for, for certain jobs. One of them was Governor Scott. One of them was the Disney company. It wasn't to work at the Magic Kingdom, but the Disney company owns a lot of different things. And it was a lot of different things in Florida, which is where I wanted to settle when my military career was over. To make a long story short, I had learned a lot about hospital administration as a base commander. I I had hospitals on my two bases, and and at the time, both of those hospitals – Um, we're not performing very well. So a lot of base commanders actually don't spend a lot of time in the military hospital. They have so many other moving parts on the base. My bosses said, Rick, you don't have that luxury. But the beauty was I was really able to do a deep dive into learning how hospitals work, how to provide patient care, how to run an operating room, how to budget and, and for, a, for a, a medical center. And then when I deployed to Afghanistan, uh, everything medical in the area where I was deployed fell under me. So I actually got to see unbelievable medical heroes and really got a passion for what the medical profession does. Leave forward, uh, uh, Physicians Regional, which has two hospitals here in Naples, at the time was owned by a company called Health Management Associates. Okay. And the president of that, or the, the owner of that company, Mr. Bill Shome, who lives here in Naples, a colleague of his reached out to me who knew about how we had turned several military hospitals around, you know, worst to first, if you will, mm-hmm. and said, hey, I had heard you came out of the one-star list. You were thinking about possibly turning it down and and um, uh, considering several jobs in, um, in the state of Florida. I'd love you to come to Naples. If you decide to do something else, I still would love you to come down here, put a fresh set of eyes on my two hospitals here, and um, give me your first impression and to make a long story short, I just I've I've been to Naples before. I've been in Marco Island. I love this community, and I wasn't just chasing paychecks. I was really looking for a second career and a career path. And I really loved what Mr. Shome had to say. I really loved um, the integrity and the mission that Health Management Associates had. And um, I just felt at home here. I felt it like it was a perfect uh, fit. Leap forward a year a year uh, after I took the position. There was a hostile takeover by another company out of Tennessee. They were fine. I they remember were great, that. But it, it wasn't a company. It was it was community health systems. Personally, it wasn't a company that I would have probably been immediately attracted to, like, like I was with Health Management Associates. But um, I respected everybody there. They treated me great. But in the end, you know, I wanted to stay here in Collier County, not move on to another position in another state and bounce around for two years running hospitals. And so then I left Physicians Regional. I became a senior leader at Aval Hospice for a year to help them launch and turn around a few programs. And then, uh, you know, last year, some citizens filled, filled uh, my living room up and said, we want to talk with you about considering uh, a run for county commissioner. You know, we, we, we think with your background, it's time to uh, replace Commissioner Fiala with another strong leader and somebody that can be a peer to the other four commissioners and has debt. Death. And, um, you know, one of the things I learned from my Italian patriotic parents from the military is when uh, people you respect and admire ask you to do something, you don't automatically just say yes, but you don't give them an answer in five seconds. You know, you take the meeting, you listen to these people. And I did. And before I knew it, it wasn't we weren't having an exploratory conversation. 
I, like I told them, I said, I feel like this is a campaign meeting. I feel like, <laughs> I feel like I've already filed. And uh, one of the things I told Commissioner Fiala, she encouraged me to, quote, file to run for county commissioner. And I said, oh, Donna, you, you, I thought you knew me better than that. I don't file. I launch. Hey, you're the Air Force. So, you're the Air Force. Uh, of course you launch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and I know I was on your website, and I know for a fact that your mother wrote you know, everything on it. I mean, it's just, yeah, I didn't it's even just do amazing. half of those things. Yeah. <laughs> I, asked my, I, mean, I asked my mom to write my bio. I don't want to say she embellished. I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> it's um, way too long. Mom, no, I, yeah. I, it's real. It's very impressive. If you talk to my mom, um, you'll get a totally different perspective of my career. I mean, in her <laughs> eyes, you know, and then that's what, that's what Italian moms do. Right. Tim? <laughs> but, you, but, you, but you know, something though is like, I'm looking on it and I'm trying to figure out like, what didn't you do? Maybe it might've been a little bit easier to do that. You know, I'm, I'm not trying to make your head that big, but it's, it's, it's pretty, well, pretty doggone I impressive. Was, I was very fortunate. Um, uh, one of the things I always say is I was given some uh, really incredible opportunities, some of it a little bit by luck. But as I as I met, would mentor, you know, junior officers during my career, I said, it's not an opportunity unless you take advantage of it. Unless Absolutely. You, you really run with it. Yeah. Um, a lot of people would say, oh, you're the A to a four star. Oh, your career's made. Okay, I know people that, that were a, were uh, an aide to a four-star general, and a month later they were fired and their career was ruined. Yeah. So I, one of the things I felt is when I was given an opportunity to work for General Schwarzkopf, work for both President Bush's, um, you know, I was one of the senior commanders that was in charge of logistics and operations and security for Air Force One, commanding bases and whatnot. I really took those responsibilities seriously. And the other thing I learned from incredible mentors is um, you got to pull together a team. You know, one of the things that President Reagan was famous for is he would admit he didn't know everything, but he surrounded himself with really good people. He led with integrity. And there's no um, uh, substitute for leading with enthusiastic, motivated, professional leadership. And I've tried to keep, you know, take care of my people, keep them motivated, um, teach them that we could do a little bit more than we thought we could do. And then when we accomplish it, how proud we are of the results. And, you know, these are things that have served me well. And, you know, a lot of folks will say, well, you know, being a county commissioner or when I was a hospital administrator here in Naples, oh my God, it's so different than being a colonel. You know, when you're a colonel, you bark out orders and everyone jumps. One of the things I tell them, Tim, is you've been watching too many World War II movies, yeah, okay? Yeah, yeah, no. When you storm the beaches of Normandy and saving Private Ryan, yeah, you got to bark out a few orders to save lives. But realistically, when you're when you're leading a, a, a military base, you're working at the Pentagon, you're serving senior leadership. Um, it's much like being the leader in in any company. Our company mm. just happens to be called the Air Force. My job is to hire and inspire people work within a budget, lead with a lead by example, um, uh, critique and, and uh, you know, uh, people's work and make them better. Take people that are on a scale of one to 10 or a four, make them a seven. People that are a seven, make them a nine. People that are nines, make them 11s. You know, that's what you do if you work for Coca-Cola, if you work for Walmart, if you work for the Marriott, you know, if you work for any any type of company, even a small mom and pop, uh, mom and pop company. It's about, you know, pulling together a team and, and accomplishing a mission. So my transition from the military and even, you know, as a county commissioner, I feel blessed to have the experience I have and bring it over. I'm not trying to be Colonel LeCastro who's coming in here to command Collier County. But I learned a lot about spending um, taxpayer dollars wisely, about 
analyzing multi, you know, five, six hundred million dollar developments, being able to cross-examine an attorney who's trying to, you know, sell something to the military base or sell something to the county and make sure that in the end, it's 51 percent or more good for the county and the taxpayers right. and 49 percent good or less for the developer. And some developers have sort of laughed and said, Rick, I'll build it if it's 30 percent good for me. But it's finding that equal medium. And bottom line mm -hmm. is remembering that you're serving as a public servant. You're the employee to the taxpayer. The taxpayer is your boss. It doesn't mean you just follow blindly. You know, you still have to serve with integrity, but you have to represent your constituents. And, you know, I feel really lucky that so many people believed in me in the primary. They said, if you lived on Marco, you couldn't win. If you didn't, you know, live, if you had lived there for 30 years, you couldn't win a whole bunch of other things. You know, in the end, COVID really made the race a lot different because they canceled a lot of, a lot of debates. They canceled a lot of interviews. They canceled a lot of town halls. So in the end, I really wanted to make sure we all just weren't names and a photo on a, on a yard sign. So I really brought the, the campaign to the people. I met with people in much smaller groups. I knocked on a lot of doors. People were very generous to my campaign. So it allowed me to send mailers to homes that I know people hate. But in the end, you know, even if they read it briefly and they see your qualifications and they maybe remember your name, they at least know who you are and why you're running. And so I was able to do a lot of that. And in the end, you know, we won the primary. I had I had quite a few opponents. Um, uh, at one time, there was six of us. In yeah, the that's no no easy theology. task. Yeah, no yeah. easy task there. No. Absolutely. And now here we are in the general election. Um, one week from today, almost at this exact moment, Ooh, yeah. I hope to declare yeah. victory. You know, I think they're going to release the early <laughs> results at about seven thirty or eight o'clock. You know, I hope to hear good news. And then really, um, then it's the, the hard work begins. Campaigning is very difficult. I did it full time, living off my savings for over a year. But, you know, once I roll up my sleeves and sit in the seat, that's when the job begins. And I'm, I'm ready to do it. I've been prepping for it for well over a year, maybe my whole career. And, um, you know, what I've told citizens is I'm not going to let you down. I'm not saying I'm going to do everything perfect. But I'm going to serve with uh, integrity and um, enthusiasm and listen to the citizens as a full-time commissioner. I'm going to be very visible, very accessible. I give my personal cell phone number to everyone. It's on every piece of material I release. You can go to my website and get it. I did that as a base commander. I did that as a hospital administrator. And I, I feel like, you know, the people deserve to have their county commissioner be accessible um, and, you know, some people would say, oh, you're crazy. You know, your phone's going to ring off the hook. It actually doesn't. People just want to know that they have the ability to right, reach you. Right. And if they truly do call me at two o'clock in the morning, you know, what? when I was a hospital administrator, I'm thankful that they did. Because in every single case, the person that called me, we had failed. And my job is to make sure we don't fail them. And so I'd rather them call me at 2 o'clock in the morning with a major problem than walk into the hospital at 7 a.m. and find out that I have a major problem, but it's five hours old. And I say the same thing as a county commissioner. And so, um, you know, if, if you're not up for the for this kind of job, you know, what I used to say in the military and even as a hospital administrator, it's one thing to have the business card and brag about your big fancy title. But you have to do the business. Yep. You know, you, you have to correct. do the business. You're correct. And I really like the way you talked about leadership. I mean, the ultimate goal is to push and support your folks to get to the goal. And you know who made me a better commander, who made me a better captain? 
a better major, a better lieutenant colonel, a better colonel, a better base commander. It was it was, it was um, junior and, and, and mid-level enlisted. It was sure. um, really, really smart chief master sergeants who looked at me and said, you know what? This guy's got something. Um, he's treating us with, with respect. He knows that we have the experience. You know what? Our job's to make him a better officer. And I could name those people by first and last name. I know the names of their children. I still talk to people in the military and even people at positions regional who I really respect and admire. And, um, you know, uh, I, I learned that early in my career that, yeah, I'm an Air Force Academy grad and this and that. And sometimes some of those Air Force Academy grads give the academy a bad name because they think after they've graduated, they've accomplished something. One of the things I used to teach the young academy um, cadets when I, when I went back to be a base commander, I said, the day you graduate, yeah, you've accomplished something, but your military career has just started. You've got a diploma, but now the, the, the real work begins to, to learn how to hone your skills as a leader. And you've got people that are 10 ranks below you, but have 10 times more experience. Be humble, be contrite. Um, also, you know, serve with, uh, with, with integrity and yes. with confidence. You know, you know, mm -hmm. one of the things I, I never like hearing an officer say is I'm just a sponge. I know nothing. I'm learning from everyone. Hey, they're expecting you to be a leader in the lead, but it doesn't mean you can't learn something. And so I never banged on a table and barked out orders. One of the things that I learned from my parents and from really good mentors is whether you're in the military you're in the civilian world or you're a county commissioner. If I'm standing in front of a table and it needs to be moved, it's one thing to say, hey, move this table. It's another thing to grab the end of the table and say, hey, can you help me come over here and move this table? And, you know, that's the way I've served my whole career. And it served me well. I, you know, I was one of the mm -hmm. youngest uh, full colonels in the Air Force. And I really think that's a reflection on my entire team and the people I led. You know, I, I, I always like to think that when good things happen to me, the entire team benefited and good things happened to them. When we won awards, it was all of us as a team. And I, I really want to bring that type of um, thought process and leadership to the county commissioner's seat. And I also want to get some stuff done. Yeah, you know, yeah. Some things that are yeah. uh, that are that are a little bit overlooked. You know, uh, you know, we can do anything, but we we necessarily can't do everything. But you know, I'm diving in as a full time county commissioner, and uh, you know, I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and and not only make District One better, but all of Collier County, and um, and hear from the citizens as well, because a lot of them out there have some really great ideas. Some of them are really disappointed in certain things, and you know, I want to uh, I want them to be proud of their commissioner. They may not always agree with me, but I want them to say, you know what, that's a stand-up guy who who makes decisions from a foundation of experience and I respect that. And no, so, that's great. you know, I hope I can live up to that. Yeah, that's great. I know you got a lot going on. You're uh, out campaigning and, and busy. I got a couple questions. Just just this yeah. this this is a cool one. Now, you're the commander of support for Air Force 1, right? You got to give us like one story Maybe like a you know some small secret of Air Force One that that would really you know have the listener you know just give us something. Well, I'll tell you. Um, if you remember, um, right after 9/11, President Bush was sort of snuck into Baghdad, and he wanted to serve Thanksgiving dinner to the troops. I don't know if you remember. Yeah, that. I do. I do remember um, that. I was a senior commander at Andrews Air Force Base, where Air Force One is located. We. You know, some people don't realize we actually have two identical Air Force One aircraft, and we use them interchangeably. The one the president's on is Air Force One. The other one is the advanced airplane. So okay. wherever the president goes, the advanced airplane goes somewhere near, but far enough away so that if we had a security incident, the the the, the advanced the advanced airplane is safe. Okay. Well, 
President Bush was in Crawford, Texas at his ranch. Air Force One's on the flight line in Waco, Texas with the whole motorcade. And one of the things that the press do is they watch the motorcade and they watch the airplane. And if those two things don't move, then the president must still be in town. Well, we knew the president wanted to go to Baghdad to serve Thanksgiving dinner. So we snuck him out of the out of his ranch in Crawford. We put him in a Ford Explorer. We left the motorcade where it was. We left Air Force One where it was. We put him on a C-17. We flew the advanced airplane, which was in another city in, in uh, Texas, just sitting at the end of a runway somewhere. We flew that back to Andrews. We put it in the hangar. It's the first time that, that, that a U.S. president has ever been on another airplane, and the call sign wasn't Air Force One. Air Force One isn't an airplane. It's a call sign. Right. So if the president is in a glider, a Cessna, a C-17, or an F-16, that airplane becomes Air Force One. When he got on the C-17, we didn't use this, the Air Force One call sign because we didn't want air traffic control to say, why is that C-17 Air Force right, One? Right, right. So it had a normal call sign. Everybody was warm in their beds, to include Mrs. Bush, Laura Bush. Uh, we, we flew President Bush back to Andrews. We pulled the C-17 into uh, Hangar 1, where we store both airplanes. The advanced airplane was already in there. Uh, we closed the doors. President Bush got out. We're all standing there. And I really did have a great report with President Bush. He's a big baseball fan. Right. I was originally born in New York, but I was, was really raised in St. Pete. But I'm a big Yankee fan. One of the things Laura Bush used to say is um, he liked talking you know, to me. Like, you know, sometimes people are a little bit starstruck and, you know, they sort of fumble over the words. He, he's, he's an incredible man, but has a great sense of humor. We both like baseball. And one of the things he said to me that really um, got him to uh, sort of endeared myself and himself to me is he looked at me one time and I was in full uniform, full bird colonel. And he looked at me and he was like, how old are you? And I said, well, <laughs> sir, I said, I've been promoted a little bit faster than my peers. And he said, do you know who Dick Clark is? And I said, yes, I know. who Dick He goes, you're the Rick, you're the Dick Clark of Colonels. You're probably 80 years old, but you know, and I said, no. And so <laughs> looking good, Phil, looking good, yeah. yeah. When I was in civilian clothes, he would call some of his friends over. He'd say, see this kid? This kid's a full colonel, right? I mean, he looks like he's, you know, and I, and I, you know, he was. That's really cool. Story. That's but really anyway, cool. when we brought him in the hangar, he got out of the C-17. I'll never forget it. He was just in sweatpants. He looked at all of us and he goes, guys, I feel like James Bond. And he goes, the one thing I know is when Laura wakes up in the morning, she is not going to be happy, a happy camper. And we said, Mr. President, when Mrs. Bush wakes up in the morning, you're going to be carving turkey in Baghdad. And, yeah, you're going to be in a lot of trouble. <laughs> so we, you know, we, we put him on the C-17. You know, we, uh, we, we uh, got him out of there and got and You know, he was adamant that he wanted to land in Baghdad on Air Force One, not a C, not a F-15, not an F-16 or anything like that. So that was a, a really, um, you know, great experience. Um, he was a very humble man. He was really great to my airmen. And, you know, pe people can say what they want about President Bush and hindsight's always 2020. I'm here to tell you the job looks easy from the cheap seats. Oh, you know, I imagine, I've seen I imagine. Yeah, yeah, I've seen this man sit at the end of the table, have 10 four-star generals all give him advice in, a, in totally in 10 different directions. And at the end, they look at the end of the table and they say, Mr. President, what do you want to do? And, you know, that's a big responsibility. And so I've got quite a few, you know, President Bush stories of, uh, you know, how he surprised some of my airmen who were just like, you know, flabbergasted that the president came by the guard shack or, you know, came by. I mean, yeah, you know, he awesome. went to the dining hall one day and uh, one of my airmen's eating a, a hamburger there. And he's like, hey, you know, they make a good burger here. And the airman's got like, you know, seven minutes to have lunch. Oh, yeah. He doesn't even look up. And finally, you know, he gets the attention and he looks at President Bush and he goes, 
Oh my God, you're President Bush. Without batting an eyelash, George Bush goes, ah, I get that a lot. I look a lot like him. And the, and the young airman goes, you do. <laughs> and That's then we go, great. oh, it's That's President great. Bush. And That's he's great. called, you know, he's picked up a cell phone and, uh, you know, grabbed a cell phone from some of my airmen and actually said, hey, let's give your mom and dad a call. And I watched President um, you know, George W. Bush sit on the end of a cell phone and say, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson, I just want you to know that your son, Justin, is an important part of my security team. I couldn't do what I do without him. You should be very proud of him. He's standing out here at attention, making your whole family proud. I mean, it's still, That's, you know, it sends chills when yeah, I think I'm, of it. I'm and thinking then, of it right now. I'm like, this is Yeah, and then when you would hang up, I would think to myself, Tim, can we call my mom? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm a colonel, but I have a mom. <laughs> I want to do that. I want to do that. That's yeah. awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. But that's that. Those are some great stories. So, just a yeah. little bit about the the podcast, uh, two three nine uncensored. Obviously, it's everything Southwest Florida and beyond. A little bit further, we're going to be building a studio. So, I want to. I, I got to get you back on. We got to talk about some of these other, you know, these other cool stories. And then, obviously, your position as a, as a commissioner. Hopefully, next Tuesday things will go well. I'm sure they will. Um, one other question before before I let you go. You know, what are some major changes? I guess I don't want to use the word quick, but what are some major changes in, in District One? Are you wanting to really improve upon, uh, if there are any, when you when you become the commissioner? I'm I'm thinking Absolutely. that's probably going to happen. One of the things I heard from a lot of people as I went all over Collier County and all over District One is um, I want to make sure I represent all of District One. Um, East Naples gets a lot of attention. It is a big part of my district. It certainly won't be ignored. And I'm at thousands of people in East Naples, but you've got people in Port of the Islands as you drive out to Everglades City, some of them that have never met their county commissioner, you know, by their own exact words, they go, oh, we're the forgotten people. Um, you know, you've got a small group of people in Goodland who are amazing. You know, I ride a Harley. I go to stands. I know the people yep. of Goodland. You know, you just can't meet the people of Goodland when it's, um, when it's uh, you know, uh, election time. Um, and every vote counts exactly the same. So whether you live in a $40 million mansion in Port Royal or, you know, maybe you live in a small little house um, on Marco or, or East Naples or whatever, mm -hmm. um, you're all the constituents. So I really want to get out, uh, continue to get out into all the, the, the corners of District 1 and make sure people have a voice that their commissioner is accessible. One of the things I'm immediately going to do that's a bit different is instead of having town hall meetings once a year in one or two locations – I plan to have town hall meetings every quarter in about six or seven different locations. You know, if I'm going to be a full-time county commissioner, yeah. it's not just attending two meetings a month in the county building and then going back to, quote, my real job. This is my job. So having, the uh, you know, town hall meetings with citizens in Isles of Capri, Marco, East Naples, Riviera Golf Estates, which is in East Naples, a lot of these people have very, very specific issues that are that are specific to their particular neighborhood when you just have a big town hall meeting say in the naples library and everybody from all the areas come and you give sort of a generic overview you don't really get to address the exact specific issues of your constituents from a particular area and a lot of those people sometimes don't even come to the town hall they're like hey i'm in port of the islands why do i want to drive all the way to east naples sit in the library and then hear about the east naples development plan you know i want to know about what's going on in my my piece of the universe so right. I really want to be able to to retool that. And, yeah, is that going to take a lot of time, a little bit more dedication and whatnot? I know, but I'm a public servant. That's what people are expecting me to do. So that's one thing immediately. And then second of all, and it sounds a little cliche, but, you know, I ran to bring experience and qualifications to the seat. I want to be a peer to the other four commissioners, not a subordinate. And one of the things that sometimes – 
um, opponents will say, or when they're running for office, my job's to fight for the people of District 1. Tim, that's actually not my job. My job's to represent the people of this District 1 and have credibility and influence with the other four county commissioners. Because if I want to make any improvements, if I want to bring anything positive to help the people of District 1, it's not enough to just fight for them. The other, I need the votes of the other four commissioners. Right, right. And I won't take great pride in and missing out on something great for district one because I lost the vote four to one. So I think, um, I've gotten, uh, incredible support from the other four commissioners. Um, they've been very respectful of my qualifications and my sincerity and the reason I'm running. Um, you know, I hope to be able to sit in the seat and be able to accomplish, um, quite a bit because they trust me. They know that I bring, um, quite a bit to the table that some of them maybe don't have in their resume. And then they have things in their resume that I don't. So I think I'm going to be, a, I know I'm going to be a good compliment. I have a lot of depth in healthcare, environmental protection, um, construction, development, roads and grounds. I mean, a lot of things I've learned from the military and from my civilian healthcare career, especially now during COVID. So I think when you serve with credibility and influence, um, you, you, you're able to represent the people of your district and really all of Collier County. I'm going to be voting on a lot of things that have little or nothing to do with District 1, and the people of Collier County are, are um, uh, counting on me to be able to ask the right questions, interrogate the right people if I need to, um, you know, uh, or, or everything in between in order to make an educated vote that represents the county and um, and and improves uh, the quality of life for for our citizens and spends their taxpayer dollars wisely. So I'm gonna you know uh, keep that in mind every single day that I'm on the job. Well, Rick, you know you're a wealth 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 of knowledge. Just a lot of information. I think you're gonna be a great. Uh, a great commissioner. You think? Uh, well, you think? I, well, I know you're going to be a, a great commissioner, right? So, you know, it's, you've got yeah. a big, you've got a real big week, a real big weekend. You got a yes, lot sir. coming up. We're looking forward to, you know, next Tuesday, watching, uh, you know, watching it on TV, and we're going to yes, be seeing sir. your your name pop up. We're going to be proud of that, and uh, you know, obviously Air Force proud, and and District One proud, and call your county proud, right? So yes, you, you got it all the way uh, throughout the county, and, and we're real, real honored to have you on and, and just get this information out to the voters. And, and, again, it's up to them to go out, get out and vote. Don't take anything for granted, like you said. Every vote counts. Absolutely. And, you know, I'm even surprised that these positions are, are Republican or Democrat. I look at it as you're serving all the people of Collier County. So whether you're Republican or Democrat, um, I think we're all paddling in the same direction. I really appreciate you having me on. I look forward to being on again in the future and maybe talking a little bit more. I've got some good Air Force stories that you I love like. it. I love it, Rick. I and love and it. I'd love to share them. I got to spend yeah. a little bit of time with Nancy Reagan. Unfortunately, when President Reagan died, I was at Andrews and I was one of the officers in charge of the Reagan funeral and really have some touching stories about how what a class act Nancy Reagan uh, was um, and, the, and the little piece of time I got to spend with her. But more importantly, thank you for your service in the Air Force, whether you serve for four years or 40 years. You know, it's, it's 99% it. more than the average American. I love it. I learned it. so much from, you know, sergeants and, and, and chief master sergeants and uh, from young officers and whatnot. So I really respect your service to our country. Thank you. Obviously, if we're both Air Force, you know, we're a pretty good judge of character. If that's we right. That's right. right. <laughs> that's right. And, um, I, you know, I love this county because it's so patriotic. 
I've met so many veterans here um, who are not only supporting me, my campaign, but well before that, who are just incredible Americans. You have a lot of World War II vets here. You know, one of a person that I really consider a dear friend that I've gotten to meet is uh, Captain Wayne Smith, who is a yep. fellow Air Force Academy grad, different mm -hmm. year, but served as a POW in Vietnam with John McCain. You know, anytime I see him at an event, I just think, you know, how blessed I am to just be able to talk with him and know him. There's a whole lot of people in this town that have done way more than I did. So rank is immaterial um, when it comes to, you know, comparing notes with some of these heroes that live here. And I look to represent them. And what I tell all the constituents who take the time to talk with me and get to know me is, I won't let you down. I won't let you down. I, I mean, I'm running. I, I gave this a lot of consideration. Um, I could be doing all kinds of other things, but you know, what better way to give back to your community than to serve it at this level? Um, I will tell you, Senator Scott called me after I won the primary and I was shocked. You know, I, I have done neat. a little work with him. I have helped him a little bit with some health care and veteran uh, advice and whatnot. Call me at eight o'clock in the morning and he's like, Rick, it's Rick Scott. And I was, I said, um, Senator Rick Scott. <laughs> and I said, you know, sir. Um, and he told me how important it is to serve at the local level and how much you can accomplish. And I said, you know, Senator, and he, and he even talked about, you know, Rick, with your resume, you can go to Tallahassee, you can go to DC. I said, sir, I've, I've done all that. I said, you know what? I will accomplish more in a month than a, than a U.S. Senator sometimes can accomplish in a year. And, you know, he laughs and he goes, Rick, you're wrong. Two years. He goes, at the <laughs> local level, you can really make things happen. Right. Um, you know, while, while I'm banging my head against the wall in Washington, D.C. And I said, well, you know what? Um, and, that, and that's what makes me feel proud to represent the people of District 1 and all of Collier County. And I'm ready to do it. So right. hopefully you'll see a, a green check next to my name next Tuesday you, on, uh, on the news. And then, uh, then we got to get to work, my friend. You got it. You got it, Rick. You're about to be my boss. You're about to... <laughs> Sergeant, a sergeant is about to be my boss. Which, I mean, come on, that's twisted. That's twisted right? I mean, it's gonna be fun. It's gonna I, be fun. Tim, I used to be somebody. I used to be somebody. Look, look how it's come full circle. That's know? right. That's you're right. gonna call me on speed dial. You're gonna be like, you know, they didn't pick up my garbage today. Yeah, we, I got flooding in we front need of my this house. Fixed, what are you Rick, do about we need it, this fixed, Commissioner. We need this fixed. No, it's been great. I just want to uh, again thank you. I appreciate it. So yeah, we got two, three, nine uncensored everything. Southwest Florida and beyond. And thanks, Rick. And guess what? We are out. Thank you, my Thank friend. Thank you, my friend. Talk All to right. you soon. Take care. Please make sure to download and listen to us on Apple, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. And don't forget to like and share on social media. This has been a Studio 239 production.